As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash-flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital-raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. I can't tell you how many people I have educated out of doing deals. Whereas if I wanted to be selfish, I could have taken the deal and not cared the fact that they either were going to not make any money or that they would lose money on a deal. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Ed Hendrickson. How you doing, Ed? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I am doing well and looking forward to our conversation. So a little bit about Ed. His first year as a real estate business owner, he assisted in closing over $20 million in transactions. He is a full-time real estate professional focusing on helping others invest while building his own portfolio based in Hoboken, New Jersey, right across the river from Manhattan. So that being said, Ed, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah. So I like to say like I'm a Swiss army knife for real estate investors. What I do is a little bit of everything. I am a licensed real estate agent, but I don't specifically use my license. What I do is I predominantly help people buy properties at sheriff sale, mostly in Union and Essex County, New Jersey. At the same time, I also help broker hard money loans. So I got into the business besides having a passion of real estate, but I really, really learned the business was through hard money. I worked for a local hard money lender. And after working there for a year, I left and started brokering loans on my own, which allowed me to get deeper into purchasing these properties for other people and just growing my network. And then, as you said, I have my own real estate portfolio. I buy properties, I flip properties, and I own some rentals. You are a Swiss Army knife. (laughs) All right. Well, which direction to take it? Let's take it all directions. Let's start with the helping people buy property at sheriff sales. What help do you provide that people need in order to successfully accomplish those purchases? I manage the whole process. You you need 20% down in order to buy at the sheriff sale. So 
you can look at it as like a reverse wholesale. Instead of a wholesaler calling you and saying, I found a property in Patterson, New Jersey, wherever it specifically is, and there's a $20,000 wholesale fee, you know what my fee is directly up front, and I only get paid for the deals that I close. So what am I specifically doing for you is you tell me, Ed, I really like Elizabeth, New Jersey. I want to buy a multifamily in Elizabeth, New Jersey. So what I do is I search through the online database. Public is the what's going to auction on a specific date. I find out where the properties are. I drive the properties to see if I can get an idea of condition as to whether they're going to need a lot of work or no work. I try to see if there are tenants that are living there. I'll call the tax assessors, find out if there are any taxes, water bills. I'm checking records to see if there are any liens on the properties. There's not enough time to actually run a title search. So I'm kind of running a soft title search through my due diligence. Mm -hmm. And the reason why somebody needs my help is most people don't really have the time that I have and also the experience as well, but really more of the time to go through, make all the phone calls, drive all the properties to find out, you know, I mean, I've been helping a client for months now. We haven't bought anything. Most people would have given up at that point, but I'm at the auction for other people at the same time. So it continues to make it worth my time. Uh, That's a lot of stuff. So you search the online database, see what's available. You look for liens on the properties. You find out where the properties are located. What are some other things you do? I'm calling to see if there's any water bills, if they're, again, the liens like being like federal liens, any open permits, I try to find those out as well. And I'm talking to tenants, if it's a multifamily, I'll knock on the door and speak to the people who are there. And what do you ask them? To be honest, I try to lay off with a, hey, I'm looking to see if you're interested in selling your home. And most of the time they give me, my house is going to sheriff sale today. And I'm, oh, really? I didn't realize that my investor's interested in purchasing your property. And I just kind of feel them out from that. I try not to say, hey, your property's going to sheriff sale because I tried that and you get, what do you mean? What's going on? Yeah. I try to be a little bit more friendlier as I'm speaking to them. So what information are you looking to learn from them? Ideally, in your ideal scenario, in that conversation, what's the ideal information you learn? How flexible they are with moving out. So if it's a single family owner occupied or even a multifamily, but if it's owner occupied in there, I want to know whether they're willing to leave or not. And I'm just asking questions. What's your plan? If this sells today, what are you going to do? Have you tried bankruptcy? I'm almost educating them how to get out of a sheriff sale just to find out what their intention is. So this way I can let my investor know, hey, we're staying away from this house. This guy's crazy. He yelled at me. I had one guy who told me I know all the rules. He said, I'm never leaving this house. (laughs) So you want to know that. (laughs) He did. And you don't want to bid on that property. Exactly. He told me don't bid on it. He had known just as much as I knew about it, the process. (laughs) Oh, man. New Jersey and the tenant laws, huh? Yep. Yep. Wow. Was that his primary? uh, What? Oh, okay. So he's not a tenant. He's But it's owner occupied and they obviously, you know, the owners have some pretty serious. Yeah. You can win. It takes time is really what it is. Right. And money. Yep. All right. And how'd you get involved with share sales initially? Actually, so like I said, I was doing hard money and I was looking to leave and continue doing that. And my broker, Lewis Laver at Culture Estate does a lot of share of sales stuff and an investor. I liked it. It seemed cool. And I just jumped right in. What do you like about it? I mean, it's such an adrenaline rush. You drive around all day and you're making bids. It's the competitiveness. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows about the share of sale, but it is kind of still a very niche market. The same guys every week. I don't want to say old boys club because that's not really true, but it's fun. It's just overall. You were a broker 
for hard money loans, right? So I used to work for directly for a hard money lender. And okay. Then, so I would then broker the deals back to other hard money lenders when I left. Got it. Okay. When you were working for the hard money lender, what are some things that you learned? Really glad you asked that because that's kind of a huge thing, this hard money stuff that I'm focusing on right now. I learned how to structure a deal. And for better or worse, I learned places where hard money lenders all have, call them your hidden fees. Everything on the face is, oh, I get 80 and 100. Oh, that's great. But do you charge interest on your construction funds? Some lenders do, some don't. Some depend on how much construction funds you're borrowing. And it's not always very upfront. Somebody might tell you, yes, we're going to charge interest on $50,000 the whole time, but what does that cost? Mm -hmm. So I learned to start calculating this stuff and running calculators. A lot of hard money lenders have calculators on their website, but I've created my own calculators in the meantime to show because these are big things that I find investors don't realize that they have. They buy a deal, 100,000, 50,000 rehab, I'm going to sell it for 180 great, I'm going to make $30,000. But there's so many other costs, either closing costs on the front end or back end, or just your carrying costs that people are missing. What are some hidden fees of a hard money lender other than interest on construction funds? So draws, for example, some lenders charge $100 for a draw, some charge $500 for a draw. So at the end of the day, it's not taking $20,000, but it can add up to a couple thousand dollars. Do they charge an application fee? Some of them charge a credit check fee. They might check your credit throughout the life of the loan. So they're going to charge you again for that. What else can I tell you quick? Like lien releases when you sell your property, prepayment penalties. I actually had a lender once that didn't really disclose their prepayment penalty and it was partly my fault. I was the borrower actually. I didn't realize it was only nine months. I just assumed everybody did 12 months because all the other lenders are out there. And when it bumped up to the end of my nine months, I was going to have to pay a fee, but I was able to negotiate with the lender to get out of it because I was closing basically like nine months and five days. Mm-hmm. But that was a real shocker for me. I, in fairness, I didn't do a good enough job checking it out, but they also didn't do a very good job of letting people know. Mm-hmm. That's some really helpful information, especially for fix and flippers who are out there looking for some hard money on their deals. And now you currently do lend out money. Is that correct? I'm currently a hard money broker, as I was saying, but okay. I'm working on this project, this platform right now with my partner, Louis Slava, who happens to be my broker, who's helped me grow in this business. What we're doing is it's a maybe a, a lending tree of hard money, you can say, but what it would be is a borrower is going to come onto our platform. They're going to fill out their personal information and their deal information. And then the lenders who are also on our platform, they'll get an email and then they'll have an ability to go in and see the information and bid on the loan. Mm -hmm. So the borrower will then get an email and say, XYZ lender just bid on your loan. They'll go in and we're forcing these lenders to outline all their fees. So being in the business now, I've seen the fees. I see where they come from. So they have to start saying, Is there a prepayment penalty, draws? If you charge interest on unused funds, at what point do you charge them? Is there a break-even point in that? So basically, they have to fill out all their fees, and then the borrowers will have two, three, four options to decide which lender they like the most. And it's all going to be a blind bidding process, so they won't actually know who the lender is. We're partly doing that to protect ourselves. But also, to be completely honest, I don't want anybody to be biased as to who the lender is. 
because some lenders have bigger names out there and people think that they're better because their name's bigger. And there are some lenders who have smaller names who actually offer better products. Mm-hmm. It seems like a service that needs to be in place, needs to be in the market. So I'm glad that you're putting it together. You mentioned interest on unused funds and you said at what point is there a break even part of that? Can you just elaborate on what you're well, talking I mean by about? That is, so I might have a lender, for example, who charges, I don't know how in depth you want to go, say 10 points and two points. For those that don't know, two points is 2% of the total loan amount. Now that lender, the points are always going to be on the total loan. So construction and purchase price, they might be charging interest on the whole loan amount as well from day one. Now you might have another lender that charges just for example, and my numbers aren't going to work well here, but four points. So they're 10 and four, Mm -hmm. but they don't charge interest on the whole loan amount. That actually might be cheaper to go with the higher upfront cost if you know that your deal is going to take 12 months. Maybe if you know your deal is going to take three months, you go with the guy who charges interest on the full amount. That's what I meant by break even. I guess I I meant that more the borrower can try to figure out what their break even is, not the lender would have a break even. That's helpful. That's good to think through, and I'm glad that you mentioned it. So you're also an investor, right? You buy your own properties. What's something you've bought recently? The current deal that I'm working on, I bought a three-bedroom, two-bath in Kenilworth, New Jersey. Purchase price and business price. Purchase is two forty, and the rehab is about $15,000. Okay. And what are you going to do with it? I actually have done the work already. I'm trying to sell it right now for 360000 My biggest headache with this one was I bought it at the sheriff's sale with an owner in it who got ill and basically wasn't able to move out because they were in the hospital. Mm. So I had to go through the court battle of evicting them. They hired a lawyer to just defend themselves. So that's my most recent project that I'm on. I've just actually sold a property and refinanced another one. So I only have one that I'm actively engaged in. Let's talk about the one you sold. What are the numbers for that one and what type of property is it? Another single family in Bergenfield, New Jersey. I bought that one for, I believe it was 280000 and I put about 40000 into it and I sold it for four twenty. Well, that's, that some one, good, that's some good math, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's something <laughs> that I want to actually point out because that I think is a common misconception as well. So there obviously were costs that I had throughout. The loan went a little bit longer than I had expected. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was going to be easier. And I actually really projected a much simpler rehab. The reason why the rehab got larger was because as I buy a lot of my properties at sheriff sale, I can't really get in and have a contractor give me a quote. It is very much an estimate-based thing, but the electric in the house was a disaster. So I had to redo basically the whole entire electric, which cost me more than I was expecting by the time everybody had to rip open all the walls because it wasn't a gut. So they rip open all the walls by the time I patched everything and got it all fixed up. Just took a lot longer, some issues with the city. It was my third buyer that bought it. That's never happened to me before. I had two buyers go through the inspection phase and back out. Why? The first one, they told me they had family issues. They decided not to move. The second one, I think the guy just really wasn't interested because he sent me the report. I've never had this happen, by the way, either, Joe. (laughs) The home inspection, he sent me the whole entire report back and said, fix everything. 
<laughs> and I was like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. But to the, fix the driveway. The driveway had to be replaced. Like things that were obvious. The driveway didn't really need to be replaced. It had some oil stains. The guy, prior owner, changed his own oil and had some stains. I'm not replacing the whole driveway. You know, they wanted trees <laughs> removed in the yard. There was a lot of stuff that most people wouldn't ask. And I went back. I actually did go through it very thoroughly. I really did say that I would fix probably 80% of the things. And then I offered a credit for some of the other stuff just because there was room and I didn't That's want- very to. reasonable of you. Right. And within like an hour, they came back and said, no, we're not interested. So I think it was just kind of their yeah. trying to get out of it. Yeah. What did they have it under contract for? Actually, it's funny you say that because they were under contract for 405. So oh my gosh, look at you. Exactly. And I'm starting to think, man, I'm going to have to sell this for 380 by the time I find a reasonable buyer. And the weekend that I sold it, I had three offers at full price being 420. Wow. And when I said those are some good numbers, you had mentioned, I think you said something like that could be a misconception of the money that's made. But if you're all in at 320 and you sold it for 420, what additional costs were there that we need to keep in mind? So the purchase price was 280. I had title insurance and attorney, the points on the loan that I borrowed. So that's ten, fifteen thousand dollars up front that that's going to cost. I'm paying interest throughout the life of the loan. That was about twenty four hundred dollars a month, and then I paid taxes. The taxes were about a thousand dollars a month on the property. Mm-hmm. Those start to add up. One thing that I didn't even really think about, and I'm pretty good at running my numbers, is I had the house staged for five months, and my stager charges five hundred dollars a month. But the first three months are part of the setup fee. Now on the back end, these last two months, I'm paying another $500 a month in carry. So at the end of the day, you're looking at my carrying costs pressed almost $4,000 a month mm. to maintain the property. And then on the sale end, we have our closing costs. Then the most expensive thing is going to be the realtor's fee. And there's transfer tax as well that I had to pay. You don't list your own? I do. But I don't consider that so much a benefit that everybody has because a lot of people don't. So I always want to include that. And even when I list my own, I still have to pay the 2.5% to the other agent who actually brought the buyer. So when the dust settled with the 4000 a month carrying fees and all those other costs that you mentioned that are factored into that, how much did you make on this deal? I had a private investor that put down some of the down payment money. So by the time, like you said, all of that settled... I mean, I walked away with easily fifty, sixty thousand dollars yeah. dollars Thank you for going through that because it helps me ask more informed questions other than how much did you put into it? Because <laughs> So what should I ask? Should I ask how much you put into it and what were your monthly carrying costs and how long did it take so that we can factor that in too? Yeah, what were your carrying costs? That's a, a big misconception. You pay it, someone's paying couple different percent difference adds up over eight months. Yeah. Oh, you had it eight months. Yeah. Because I had to carry this thing through the holidays now. I had it listed in October and we just closed in April. Yeah. Because on the surface, when someone says, I bought it for 280, put 40K into it. Okay. 320, sold it for 420. Congratulations. Six figure deal. But in reality, it's perhaps half of that or 60% of that. So that's some great info. And they love to take a photo of the check. That they got, <laughs> which not, includes, not all the expenses going out the door. Right after that. 
that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man, that, that's good stuff. Based on your experience as a Swiss Army Knife real estate entrepreneur, investor, lender, broker, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Really run the numbers. That was my biggest mistake. My first property I bought, I broke even. I didn't run these extra numbers that I emphasize the carrying costs, the purchasing and closing costs. So it's run your numbers and know your numbers front and back. I'm the kind of person that when somebody calls me and they're trying to get a loan, I can't tell you how many people I have educated out of doing deals. Whereas if I wanted to be selfish, I could have taken the deal and not cared the fact that they either were going to not make any money or that they would lose money on a deal. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com. What's the best ever book you've recently read? I would say Millionaire by 30 got me into the business, the whole entire thing. Who wrote that? I don't remember. I can. No, I'll look it up. That's fine. No big deal. I don't know if I've come across that. Looks like that is, oh, three people. Douglas, Andrew. Oh, are they related maybe? Aaron, Andrew, and Emron, Andrew. Okay, so the Andrew people wrote it. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Hesitation. So you got to make decisions quick. You're in the middle of a deal and something needs to be fixed or not fixed. Maybe you, for example, you add the bathroom or don't add the bathroom. You can't really sit and think on these things. So I would say that would be my answer. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? It's education, man. Like I said, I just want to teach people as to what they're embarking on. HGTV is great, but they've made it seem <laughs> so easy. Everybody wants to come in. The mom and dad wants to be a flipper. My cousin wants to be a flipper. All these people all of a sudden start wanting to flip. They think it's easy. It's not easy, and there's a whole lot of running around that's not shown behind the scenes. Like, I live 30 minutes away from Bergenfield. The amount of time I've spent just in my car driving back and forth for inspections, going to the city, seeing my contractors, showing people the house. It is a huge amount of time. I believe people can do it. You can do it on the weekend. You'd have to only really be able to do one project, but it's education. I got to give back. There's so many people that have helped me and taught me this business from the lending standpoint. I learned so much at the working for the lender that really gave me a really solid foundation to continue to grow in this business. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? They can check me out on my project, my new platform, hardmoneyproject.com. It's going to be my new platform. I'm going to offer education on the platform as well. So that'll be a huge part of it. And then it's a place where they can get bids. My contact information's on there. So anybody who wants to reach out to me can reach out to me through there. Ed, I learned some good stuff because when I interview fix and flippers, I will ask that question about carrying costs. And I love the example that you gave. 280 put in 40. Did you make 100 because you sold it for 420? Well, I actually made about 50, 60 because here's why. And then you talked about the different factors. And then also for fix and flippers, 
Well, this interview is gold for you when you're looking at selecting a hard money lender or private money because of those different fees that could be hidden that Ed went through. So thank you for talking about all that you talked about. Enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com.